every new social media manager underprices themselves. I get it that when you're new, you're sort of like, oh, I'll just, you know, charge a little bit to get my feet wet, but you can get stuck there really quickly if you, you aren't also like increasing your pricing with, um, with new clients and kind of stair-stepping or increasing your pricing with your existing clients, you'll start to resent them. Welcome to Millennium Grinders, the podcast for creatives and marketers who are navigating the difficult path to success as entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Erica Peter. You know, most solopreneurs ask the same question, how to scale a business, which makes sense you need to grow your business. Well, that's why for this episode, I decided to interview Stephanie Gilbert. She used to work as a social media manager and managed to scale her business so well that she eventually founded the Social Media CEO, which helped social media managers start, systemize, and scale their businesses. Hello, Stephanie. Welcome to the Million Grinders podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yes, me too. You know, I used to be a director of content in a marketing agency, so I'm used to being surrounded by social media managers, and I know so many of them struggled when they went on their own. So getting you on the podcast was really a goal of mine. So thank you so much for being here. Of course. So for those who don't know you, would you introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Stephanie Gilbert. Um, I am the uh, owner and CEO of the Social Media CEO, which teaches uh, people who are social media managers or want to be social media managers how to start, systemize, and scale their businesses. So we're really just a resource all around for other social media marketers who, like you said, have left um, maybe their uh, previous jobs or they fell into social media marketing or they want to get started um, offering social media services to other businesses. We kind of help you stop struggling, stop you know, get, being in the weeds um, and help you create systems and really make it a business where you don't feel like you're sort of scrambling day to day because it can be a lot. Social media is a big job. It's a, it's a time consuming thing. So our mission is to help you do it um, with ease and make it sustainable. Yes, it is a, a time consuming job. But before getting into that part, I'd like to know more about your story. So if I'm not mistaken, you worked in the wedding industry, you know, like doing styling and floral arrangement. And then you move on to the fashion industry when you were working for Urban Outfitters. So how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, yeah, it's been a little bit of a, you know, I think no one's career is super linear, um, especially with social media, because if had I gone to school for like for marketing or social media wasn't even really a thing. Um, I turned 40 this year. So um, I think that my first foray into marketing on a social media platform was like setting up a MySpace account for a boutique that I was a manager of. But you're right. I, I did do a little bit of like styling and wedding um, sort of design. I think there's the, the, the string that runs through all of my careers and the different paths that I've gone on has been just creativity, curation, you know, working with people. Um, so I had a really long retail career. The wedding stuff sort of happened in between. And then I went and worked at um, uh, Urban Outfitters, like you said, and I was a merchandising manager. And that was around the time that... Uh, Instagram became more of a big deal for businesses. So Urban Outfitters was really paying attention to, you know, marketing um, their stores on Instagram. And as a merchandiser in the stores, um, I was given the response, the added responsibility of keeping the Instagram account for Los Angeles and San Diego um, up and running. So that was sort of my first um, 
experience touching an account for like a major retailer and seeing just how powerful it can be to have like a direct line of communication to your um, customers and be able to have, you know, like conversations with them without them having to go through like a help desk, things like that. And being able to really um, share what was going on inside of stores and the new content or sorry, the new product that was coming in through content. It was just so creative and I loved it. And so um, after working with the company for almost five years, I ended up starting my own business and started freelancing and offering just social media services to other like local small businesses. I thought if I can do this for a large company that I can definitely help. There's a need here and there's like a, a lack of knowledge around how to do this um, for small and local businesses. So that's where I started uh, back in 2015. Mm, that was a long time ago. So yeah. what did you like so much about social media to make you want to create your own agency? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just everything that I had done up until that point, you know, like working with customers and, you know, talking with the public and uh, marketing and merchandising, like that was all very similar to what I was doing on a platform like Instagram, but it was just a different method, right? Like a new way we were all going virtual and people were doing a lot more socializing on platforms like that. Um, and it was a way to connect with um, maybe that that brand or that store wasn't even local to you or you, you weren't able to walk in. And I loved like just how wide open it felt, like how the opportunity felt like I was no longer stuck, like in a four wall environment, I was able to really like, you know, expand the presence of any business that I was working with. And it was just so fun. Like I loved photography. I loved, you know, writing and editing the captions. I loved um, curating the feeds. And, you know, I mean, and of course, like it's, it's just only gotten more creative with like the additional just with Instagram itself, not all social media platforms, but we're adding like stories in, and now there's reels. And, you know, every time we kind of feel like we've got it figured out, there's some new challenge or some new way to be creative, like the user behaviors change, and therefore our like strategies have to change. And for me, I like that it doesn't stay stale, like or it doesn't get stale, right? Like you're always being challenged something new. So the, the past almost six years have flown by because it's like never dull. <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree. It is a field that is so creative. Um, but I'm curious about something. So when you decided to go on your own and create your agency, did you have a plan? How did you think you are going to grow your business at that time? You know, I'll be very honest with you. When I started my business as a freelancer, I think it's very similar to most freelancers when they get started. I didn't have a plan for an agency. I just thought, I don't want to work for someone else anymore. I want to work for myself. I want to you know, make my own schedule. I want to call the shots, create my own business. I want to learn and just jump in and do it. And I didn't really have a game plan for like what that looked like past myself. But very quickly, I found you know, the hustle of the freelance life, um, working 13, 14 hours a day, working on the weekends, realizing that, okay, now I have three clients. That's great. Three clients. I'm still not making as much as I was with my previous job. And now I can't take a vacation or leave because they're all relying on me to be like on, you know, managing their accounts 24 seven. So that was when I decided I needed to get, if I was going to get serious and actually create a business and not go back to working like a nine to five or a corporate job, I needed to figure out how to stop treating myself like an employee and start looking at myself as a business owner and how I could expand the business and how this could be sustainable. Because clearly where I was as a freelancer, that like first, you know, six to nine months was like eye opening to the fact that it wasn't going to be something I could do for a long period of time. So I didn't go in with the plan. I made the plan. It was like build the parachute on the way down, right? After you jump out of the plane. Mm -hmm. 
What were the mistakes that you, you made at that time um, that you wish that other people wouldn't make? Yeah, you know, I've talked about these a lot because I have a very 2020 kind of vision of eye-opening uh, hindsight with, with doing that and going about it with, without a plan in the, in the beginning. And I think some of the major tips that I give, the mistakes that I made were, um, you know, thinking about that I could do it on my own for forever or not really like thinking that I was going to need help. Um, and sort of figuring it out alone. So I think like understanding that you probably are going to need help like sooner than you realize and having systems in place, like things to automate your daily workflow, um, boundaries and organization as you work with clients, not saying yes to everything, realizing that you can do a lot more with those boundaries in place um, and, and with those systems in place. I'm really big about like systems, automation and team. And that is what has allowed me to scale my business and helped me help other social media managers scale their businesses. So I think there's just a difference in the mistake is looking at it like you're going to start this thing on your own and it's always going to look like that. It's more about having that yeah, foresight of this is going to have this is going to have to grow if it's going to continue on in the future if I don't want to just handle a few accounts on my on my own by myself forever and actually what if I get sick? What if I, you know, want like I said want to take a vacation? Those are there are things that are going to come up and if you're the only person in your business um, you're going to feel that it's going to, yeah, it's going to be really hard. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, you were talking about um, setting boundaries and uh, you know, when people think about social media managers, they tend to think of someone who just share posts and write caption, or sometimes they also think about someone who can actually do everything, you know, including SEO, stop motion and so forth. <laughs> Either way, you know, like social media managers are often undervalued and their job are misunderstood. So in your own words, how would you define what a social media manager does? Um, and not only, you know, like for people searching for social media managers, but also for people who would want to become one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is, you hit the nail on the head as far as they can kind of be everything and anything depending on who you ask, right? And even that question is hard for me to say what a social media manager is for a lot of people because that puts them in a box and, you know, it's kind of a catch-all title for anyone who's touching a social media account for on the behalf of someone else. Um, whether that's in a business, like working for, you know, they, they're the social media manager for like one business in their market on their marketing team, or your social media manager who is a freelancer handling, you know, multiple accounts. Um, I think what it basically encapsulates, there's a difference between a social media manager um, and like a social media strategist or an influencer, or even like, like sometimes there's a difference between like the content creator, the graphic designer, the copywriter. It can be a lot of different things. Um, they can wear a lot of different hats, uh, but it's really up for the person who is in that role to decide what they want to do. And that boundary word is a big, is a big deal. Like what are the deliverables of you as a social media manager? What are you willing to provide for a client to help, you know, serve them? What's valuable to the people you want to work with? And then what else are they going to need to make this actually work? Is it email marketing? Is it, you know, like I said, copywriting or design or photography? Um, the social media manager's ultimate job is to make sure that the business is consistently posting on whatever social media uh, platforms they want to be consistently posting on um, and to kind of organize what that content is to make sure that it goes out, to make sure that they're communicating the brand message and that they're connecting and uh, building community, you know, responding to DMs, responding to 
um, comments that happen. So again, it's really hard to like define exactly what a social media manager is because there are so many platforms, so many, you know, business owners who are asking these people to do so many different things. And it can get confusing between a virtual assistant or are you, you know, a, a brand um, advocate or influencer, you know, it kind of gets a little bit fuzzy. So I think it's, I like to empower the social media manager to define what it is that they do and how they um, serve their clients. Mm-hmm. I understand this, but at the same time, I'm wondering how can each social media manager brand themselves? So picture this. One would say that they do basic social media manage- management, you know, like posting picture and so forth and stop motion. And another one would say that they just do content creation and captions. Um, So like in my head, what I'm thinking, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of a client, I want to know the value, the worth, because both of them could charge the same rate. So how can a social media manager brand themselves so for their clients to consider them? Right. Yeah, this is I mean, it's a great question. Honestly, the the thing that I'm really working on is that I'm separating out, I have a certification program and I'm starting to certify social media managers as strategists, because I think that's one thing that um, a lot of social media managers don't lean into is that the strategy is so important. You know, a virtual assistant with zero strategic experience could potentially become the social media manager. If all we're really talking about is scheduling posts, writing some captions and like, you know, putting it in an auto publisher and letting that happen, um, that doesn't become as valuable to the client as say, like actually focusing on something that gets a result. So for someone that's offering um, like the stop motion, I feel like that's a way specifically to brand yourself and to stand out as a social media manager who offers that. And then looking at marketing yourself to people who would need that kind of content, right? Like some sort of, maybe it's a product or, you know, a beauty brand or something. And then going into that niche and saying, we specifically are social media managers and content creators who specialize in stop motion. That specialization becomes the thing that is valuable because it's it's different. And it's not something that everyone is doing or that everyone can be trained on, or that can just be like passed off to someone who doesn't have that skill set um, on someone's team. Same with strategy, Um, Same with, you know, uh, there's copy, you know, specializing in copywriting. Not every social media manager is great at writing copy. They have to outsource that. So I feel like Mm -hmm. the way that things are moving is that the social media manager will have to decide how they want to specialize and you and lean into that specialization or that thing that helps them to stand out. Um, That could be something as simple as like customer service. Like we specialize in um, community building and customer service so that it becomes like a something built into the way that your social media management business operates. And then that's who you're going after is someone that would value that. And that's how you're pricing it. So if you from the outside are looking for a social media manager, you would have to decide what's important to you within the, the bubble of social media management and find someone who's, um, I guess, specialized in those areas, like is copy really important to you? You're going to need a social media manager who can write good copy. If not, you're going to have to also find a copywriter. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's it's really like kind of building, Frankensteining your own social media management team with, with everything that you need or finding an agency or a social media manager who possesses those skills and specializations or certifications 
that are going to get you the result that you're after. So it's like kind of matchmaking in that way. I really love this idea just because right now it, it's so complicated, you yeah. know, even for social media managers themselves, uh, um, you know, like just seeing some ads, you know, of potential clients who are looking for like a kind of a super woman or superman like it's tricky you know what i mean so having those rules i feel like it's going to help a lot of social media managers um but anyways when they want to go full-time i feel like one of the biggest questions they have is always how meaning how can they find clients and i'm sure that there are different ways to do this but i'd like you to share what worked for you early on, you know, when you started your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I mean, actually, what worked for me early on is what continued to work for me ongoing. And everyone that I've really spoken to, you know, I, I work with um, a lot of social media managers, and I'll have conversations with them inside of our Facebook group. And I always ask that question, like, how do you find your best clients? Because um, I like to know and I think everybody wants to know how you find more clients. And hands down, the way that I found my clients and the best clients that come from for most social media managers are like your network. Who do you know? Like that there's that low hanging fruit of like my friends or, you know, a family member's friend or something like that that kind of gets you started. And then from there, it's really just about building up that network, connecting with other people and not being, you know, ashamed of what you do, like being out like and proud essentially of like what it is that you offer and who you work with so that other people start to recognize that and are sending you referrals. I think that's that was always the way that I built um, my client roster. And I think that works best for a lot of other social media managers is just, you know, who you know, not necessarily going to a job board or coming in cold or sending a weird template in DMs. Like, I don't think those are those are like my least favorite um, options for trying to find new clients. I think it's really about like relationships and the best clients, the ones that you retain are going to be the ones that you have relationships with and that trust you already and that know you already. So um, tapping into your network and then expanding and always building, like focusing on building your network so that you always have sort of a, a bucket of places to look for um, new referrals. Um, a lot of that can happen on social media too, right? You choose your weapon is what I tell everyone. Like you don't need to be everywhere. Just like we tell clients, they don't need to be on every social media platform. You establish yourself um, as someone to go to who's a go-to social media personality, a thought leader, or an expert, and then you continue to show up consistently to ensure that people are discovering you, like like what they see, understand what you do, um, and when you put it out there um, that you're looking to expand your roster, those people also become your network. So if they're not your client, they might share it with someone who might be your client. So. Um, Long story short, it's just literally about like connecting with people, building relationships, and then tapping into that network and asking asking for uh, what you need and want um, when you're looking for new clients. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking about changing the name of this podcast to Networking Podcast because honestly... <laughs> Everybody that I get on this podcast always tell me the same thing. It's their network that gives them jobs. It's yeah. amazing. And we say it's your network that equals your net worth. And it really, it does, has, you know, those are like those old school business, I guess, tropes that never really change. Like it really is all about who you know. And so you just got to get to knowing more people if you want better clients. And then those clients can lead you to other clients and 
it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. What are the other things that you think that a social media manager should master early on to run a successful business? Um, well, I did touch on, you know, just being able to create good systems and workflows. Um, I really do think that specialization or niching, I know a lot of people don't like that word. They think it's an ugly word. They don't want to be like, put in a box and confined to only working with certain kinds of clients, but it really does help you become known for either delivering a certain type of service or working with a certain type of client. And it also helps you establish really efficient workflows that keep, you know, like I said, there's so much that goes into managing a social media account that if you don't have really efficient structure to the way that you're delivering it to all of your clients, like you'll, you know, be buried in work forever. So I think, um, Those are things that they definitely need to have. Our systems, processes, um, a really good idea of who the kind of clients they want to help with and how they are able to um, position themselves to help them. Like what do they what do they specialize in or how do they how are they different in the sea of social media marketers and managers that are out there? Um, and pricing. Like I think every new social media manager underprices themselves. I get it that when you're new, you're sort of like, oh, I'll just, you know, charge a little bit to get my feet wet, but you can get stuck there really quickly if you, you aren't also like increasing your pricing with, um, with new clients and kind of stair-stepping or increasing your pricing with your existing clients, you'll start to resent them uh, very quickly. So pricing is a big, a big one for sure. But actually, how would you suggest, you know, social media managers to think about their pricing? Because it's, it's difficult, you know, it, it really sounds... I always sound like a bad word, you know, like people are always scared of that word. But yeah, what should they consider to figure out, you know, the right price for them? Right. So, I mean, it is, it's a, it's challenging. And I think it's just, we've been conditioned for forever to like be scared to talk about money. But when we're running a business, is, running a business, right? Like that, we have to talk about money. That's how, how the whole thing works. Um, I think understanding that, It's likely that when you start, you're going to underprice yourself. There's like a lot of mindset work to be done around like, what do I, am I valuable to this person or what am I able to do? If you're brand new and you don't have any results or case studies or a lot of experience to go into it, I don't think you should run out and like take, you know, business coach advice and like charge, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to work with someone. You're not, that's not going to be in alignment with what you're doing and you're, you're not, it's not going to work out, but you'll most likely end up undercharging. And I think it's realizing that um, you're going to test out some prices and see how it feels and not be married to those prices. Like you can look and ask other people, but you don't really know what you can't really judge based on someone else's prices on their website. You don't know how much experience they have. You don't know what their deliverables are for those, you know, packages and services that they're offering. So I think it's like the number one thing to go into it with is like understanding that your prices are going to change as you grow and iterate your business, but making sure that you don't continue to grow and offer more and more to your clients and say yes to everything without also having going back to your pricing and going, that's going to cost extra, or we need to reassess the proposal, or we need to, I need to send over a new proposal and a new contract to incorporate these new deliverables. I think it's just getting comfortable with um, having conversations about pricing and tapping into your own intuition and going like, does this feel like the value I'm providing to the client is in alignment with the 
value that I'm receiving as a payment. And that's going to continue to change. So like, for instance, when I first, my first client was like a hair salon that was local. It was a friend of mine who owned the business and I charged them $600 a month, $600 a month. And I did more work for them than clients a year and a half later when I finally understood my workflows, my systems, I brought some team members on and I felt more valuable to clients. Like I understood that I what I was providing to them. I raised my prices to baseline $1,500 a month. I mean, that was like the lowest you could work for me. And I was not walking into a physical location like I was with the hair salon. It's almost like the less I was charging, the more I was doing for someone, um, which that sounds terrible, but like I was doing a lot more, right? Like I was walking into a hair salon every single uh, week, creating content for them, you know, working with the stylist. I was doing a lot of extra stuff that as I grew my business and figured out what I did and didn't want to do, I no longer did, but I charged more because I knew what I was able to provide for the client and the value that that, um, that held for them. And so then I decided along the way what I wouldn't, wouldn't offer in my deliverables. And I was no longer going in and physically creating content for clients. I had a photographer that I would um, have helped me do that kind of thing. So I know that's not like that's kind of a dance around because it's hard to give pricing advice to someone, right? Like not knowing specifically like what they're, there's so many things that you can offer um, and so many kinds of clients that you can work with that I wouldn't want to give like, here's what social media managers should charge. But I guess just to give you an example of what I was charging to what like a year and a half later I had shifted to every new client, I charged a little bit more until I made it to that 1500 baseline. And then from there, I had clients paying, you know, $4,000 a month, $6,000 a month, like 2500 became like a really good chunk. But like getting from 600 to like an average $2,500 a month client, I had to go through a lot of like, a lot of growth, that messy middle where I was like, what is this worth? What am I delivering? What do I not want to deliver? What kind of systems do I need? What kind of team members do I need? So everyone's going to go on a similar sort of journey, but I was okay with constantly updating my pricing because I knew as I grew and learned new things and decided what I didn't didn't want to do that I was becoming more confident in what I could deliver to a client and what I could ask for. So how did it work with the client that you had already for a long time when you would raise your prices? How would you negotiate with them? Well, in that case, I didn't. In that case, I just filled my roster with the clients who were paying me what they should be paying me. And then I shifted out of doing anything for local businesses that I needed to walk in. So I just ended up parting ways with that client. I found them someone who could do it that was local, that was willing to do it. Again, somebody who was just getting started and could walk in and was excited at the opportunity. I think it's all, like I said, a different sort of journey. Like I just outgrew that client. But what I would suggest if someone wanted to keep that client, it would be returning back to that client like every quarter or say like, every year and, and just going, we need to update your strategy because we all know that platforms are changing. And um, the things that I was doing are no longer working. I need to update the way that we're operating on this platform because user behavior is changing. And therefore, the proposal changes and therefore the price changes. And now that I've learned this or I've gotten the certification or I've taken this course um, and I've gotten these results, like this is going to be the new pricing. And I've worked with lots of different you know, designers and copywriters and, you know, sales page um, creators and all kinds of other contractors and freelancers as well. And, you know, photographers. And when they come to me and say like, you know, prices are changing, like, I'm like, cool, you know, like I, I tell other people to do this and to, you know, stand firmly in the prices. And as they change, I don't think raising your prices to some obscene amount just because is warranted. Like, I think that we have to grow into the pricing. And to, again, it's a lot of mental like work, mindset work to understand the, 
the value that we're delivering and to um, place value on our own time and the education and the investments that we're making in our business and the team members that we're bringing in and the systems that we're bringing in, the experience that we're providing for a client. I think we have to consider all of those things, the time we're saving them, the energy we're saving them, the, the education and knowledge we're bringing to the table, and then figure out a price that feels good um, to be able to offer that will also work like within the boundaries of like what the kind of clients that we want to be able to work with. Um, But being cool with like saying, as I get better, I'm going to be, you know, raising my prices. And I have found actually, this is a really funny meme um, that someone shared in a Facebook group recently. That was like a $500 client. And it's like a quote from the $500 a month client. And they're like, I can't, I'm so excited to be part of you know, your team. And I can't wait to hear all the plans you have to completely change my business and turn it all around. And, you know, we're, we're going to be watching you essentially. And then there's like the $5,000 client that just sends in the email, like, okay, payment sent. Thanks. Like, it's just a different level of like trust, I think with like certain kinds of um, clients. And it really does feel like from a service perspective that some of the, you know, clients with a lower budget, a lot of the time will end up having like they, they themselves like have so much on the line and they're, they're going to be my, a lot more micromanagey about something like um, the service you're providing for social media. And I think a lot of social media managers feel that when they move into a higher caliber like budget, they have clients who don't oversee. Like I, I feel like it's like it sounds I'm not like hating on people with low budgets. I think the problem lies with because I've, I've been in a business where, you know, I couldn't spend more than $500 a month on something. And so I get it, but I think it's like, I'm not expecting a full service. I'm expecting what the $500 a month will get me, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So like, I can't expect a social media manager to handle like full service done for you because my client or because my budget is $500, but they should be charged something they should be charging $5,000 for. If I have $500 a month for my social media manager, I would need to, as that client, understand that a lot of the done for you, I'm going to have to do, it's more like a done with you. And then they'll take it over. Maybe they help me with the strategy or they help me tweak my captions. I need to be okay with and in alignment with like what my budget is, is the kind of service that I should be receiving on the other end and not expect them to do $5,000 worth of services for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, So, you know, earlier you were talking about overworking, not for the right price. And I feel like just the fact that social media managers are undervalued lead them to long hours, you know, like just to prove their worth and which ultimately can lead to burnout. So what are your advices for them to preserve their mental health? Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, I think it do, it is very much like, an, it's, there's so many things that we're trying to shift and change about the industry. And one of them is that it's so easy and then they have to do 10,000 things and they shouldn't get paid very well for it because anybody can do it. And also they have to do it for 10 different clients at one time. And then therefore they can never disconnect from social media. It feels like it's a 24 seven sort of thing. My advice is, well, like I already mentioned boundaries for sure. Like having something where you have boundaries with your own clients. Um, Like I suggest having one place they contact you. They don't DM you. They don't email you. Maybe they just connect with you on Slack or they only connect with you on email, but they don't text you. Um, And then like having um, specific times, like a couple times a day that you're going and looking at social media for yourself, um, disconnecting and leaving your phone, right? Like in another room. 
Um, like having, even just having apps off of your phone and having automated platforms or having a team member that can, you know, handle checking in on things is a good, I mean, it can, it can just get so overwhelming. I actually, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but like with the, um, the new iOS on the, on that, um, iPhone, you can like really make the front, like the, the pages, like, um, with the widgets, like you could I'm sound, I sound like such an old person right now. I don't even know how to describe it. Basically make it super aesthetic, right? Like all of my like buttons now, all of my apps are actually widgets that like link off to like the ugly app, um, icons. And it looks very pretty. But what I noticed like that happened was now the little like red bubble, like notification bubble doesn't show up because that's not the app. It's just the widget that leads to the app. So my homepage is so like, non-triggering now because I'm the kind of person that like the moment I see a little red bubble pop up, I like have to go check it. Like I have to go and like delete Mm. the red bubble. So I think anywhere you can like have notifications um, off or you can have like specific times to um, check email, check social, and then automate as much as possible. And then really you have to be so like self-motivating and hold yourself accountable to not, you know, on the weekends and working nights and I know if you work from home, like I do, it's like having a a separate space that like is office space and being able to like shut the door on that is like, I know that's like a huge benefit if it's possible for people to be able to do because, you know, it's hard to just, I mean, anytime I have my phone in my hand, I have my work in my hand. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I'm not sure if that answered your question. Yes, it does. (laughs) It does. It was a very complete answer. Okay, good. Um, So another thing that is very important is, and you mentioned it before, is client management. What are the most common mistakes that social media managers make, you know, when it comes to client management? Um, There's a lot of mistakes I think that can be made, but the first one really is like that onboarding experience and establishing expectations. Um, and what I mean by that, I guess, like to sum it up is just that you are the one communicating what the client can expect. Like, of course, you're creating a proposal with deliverables inside of it that you believe are going to help best help that client get what goals they have told you that they are trying to meet. Right. So then from there on, I think a lot of um, from that time that they accept your proposal, a lot of new freelancers and even, you know, established social media managers, I think don't get out of, they can't get out of the employee role. So then they look at now they've just become a part of their client's business instead of looking like they are a partner to their client's business, that they're a business owner who's in partnership with another business owner and that they're providing a service to this business owner and the way in which they do that is up to them. So the client management process starts with onboarding that client so that they the client understands like you're in good hands here's how we support you here's what it's going to look like here's how often we'll talk here's when you'll get reports here's how I'll keep you in communication and understanding everything that we're doing for you and here's what I've promised to deliver to you um and then from that like the management piece of it really falls back on like okay now I'm behind the screen or I'm with my team and we're creating systems that help me make sure that all the deliverables and the things that I've now promised the results I've promised to my client happen daily through posts through you know all the other things that you have to do curating content posting content replying to community um you know tapping into those insights updating strategies things like that so 
client management starts and the biggest mistake can happen by not establishing those boundaries and communication expectations from the start like of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And to keep on going with those things, um, it reminds me about, you know, when we talk about investment, you know, when you're starting a business, you don't necessarily have the means, you know, like to invest in everything you want in mm-hmm. order to grow your business. As a social media manager, what do you consider essential in terms of investment in the beginning? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine, you know, talking about in that first year of my business, I remember, you know, how big of an expense it felt like to buy a $97 course, you know, it just felt like a, that was, wasn't making any money in my business. That was a huge chunk. And I know like different people are going to feel differently about like the size of the kinds of investments. So I think the best advice is when you're building a business to as much as you can realize that you're going to be, if you can't invest the money, if you don't have the money to invest, you can't, you know, get out a business loan. Like it's just not possible. Then you're going to invest in time. There's just, there's no, there's a trade off there, right? Like you either invest money, time, or both of those things. So I think the best investment, if you really don't have the money to put in, but you are like really, really motivated to make this thing work. And this is what I did the first year of my business was I just put in the time, you know, it was like I said, I was working 13 hours, 14 hours a day. I was working on weekends. I was sacrificing not financial because I didn't have the financial, like I didn't have that in my bank account to to sacrifice. So instead what I had was the time to talk to people to like put my, um, myself out there to connect with business owners who would, you know, take a chance on me and let me work on their accounts. And like I said, for, you know, less than a thousand bucks a month, I was like juggling a handful of clients, like less than a thousand dollars each. I mean, I was just doing what I could to learn what I could and then shifting and adjusting as I went. And eventually I did learn that I would rather invest money than my own time. I started to value my time more than my money, but I had to make the money first. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's just, I don't know if there's one thing necessarily that you should invest in, but I would say the sooner the so, the sooner you can invest in help, then the, the 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 easier it will be to start scaling and growing your business and you know charging more, um, raising your rates and like earning more while not sacrificing your time. But I think everyone in the beginning probably has to put a lot more time in if they don't have the um, the privilege of having like a lot of money saved up to be able to just throw it at other people to do it for them. I love your advice because I found that lately on social media, I see a lot of those posts of people saying, you know, if you don't invest in your business, you, you're going to lose and so forth. But at the end of the day, it depends again of the resources that you have at the beginning. So thank you for that advice. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, an investment is needed, but it doesn't, ha- it doesn't always mean financial, right? It's just something is going to be traded for the um, for the experience or for the help and whatnot. Yes. So last question. Um, it's something that I ask all my guests to close their interview. Would you share your five most important tips for solopreneurs growing their businesses? Yes. Okay. So my first one is like just sort of a quote. and I, But I say this to people all the time because I think just as creatives and maybe a lot of, you know, um, women, we tend to overthink everything or we try to be perfectionist before we, before we move forward. And I think action brings clarity. I think the reason my business grew as quickly as it did, um, like I said, even me just not even having a game plan really other past freelancing, but having built the business that I have now, um, is that I just took action. Like I really, I don't have the answers until I've done the thing. And then I know the thing. So I don't know how much to 
charge until I've charged the wrong thing. And now I know, or I don't know what kind of clients to work with until I've worked with the wrong clients. And now I know. So I think that clarity that we all want so badly before we've done the thing only comes after we've walked through the door. So the first thing is definitely to just, if you have that feeling inside of you, that burning to just take some action and then you'll have the answers that you're looking for. Um, The second one is to just, I think I've already talked about this 10 times in the last few minutes with you, but basically just get systems in place. I mean, like, I think that systems are one of the most overlooked things for like creative freelancers. Like we tend to think about like the fun things we're going to do and, you know, what the business is going to feel like and look like and all the branding and things like that. But the systems themselves support everything that you do. And without them, you don't get time off. You don't get vacations. You don't get to walk away from the business really ever feels like you can't do that. So systems, processes, your own workflows, like really digging into like how, what's the structure of this thing that's just sort of floating out on the internet, or that is just me with my laptop on the couch, like there's got to be some systems in place. So that's two. Um, The third one is also in line with that, but it's to hire help and outsource before you feel like you need it. Because if you're already feeling like you're in the weeds, or like your to do list is too piled up, or like you can't answer all of your emails by the end of the week, then like it's a little late. And you're going to end up being hiring people out of desperation versus being proactive about the people you bring onto your team. And in my experience of, you know, 15 plus years of like managing and working with other people, you want to hire, um, you want to hire before you feel like you need them so that you're not desperately bringing people into the business and then ending up wasting a lot of time. So um, outsourcing or finding, you know, internships, internship programs, things like that would be super helpful for the new, the new business owner and freelancer. Um, also we talked about investments, but you'll always make investments in yourself. The bigger your business gets, the bigger impact it can make with the bigger investments. But like I said, that could be a time investment might be a, um, financial. I think as you grow your business, you realize how important time is and that it is worth putting the money in. That's also like goes back into the team. Like when you're investing in team members, you get your time back, you're buying back your time. And Money isn't money, you know, they're printing more of it all of us have been printing more of it every day, it seems and time we don't get back. So I think at some point you have to decide is my time um, worth it uh, with this invest is, is this investment going to buy me back time and give me the time I need to work on the tasks that are going to make me more money and then you kind of get both out of that. So I think investments are important, but after you've established yourself as a business owner, and then getting a mentor, I mean, that sort of goes in line with the Um, investment piece, but I think you can appreciate this, like having someone who's already walked the path that you're walking and learning from their advice and learning from their mistakes and can help you avoid them, or at least give you a perspective that you wouldn't have um, and help you answer questions faster, help you avoid just going down um, the wrong road um, and having someone to kind of lean into and, and, um, and, you know, have ideas bounce off of and they understand where you are or where you've been. Um, is super important too. So I think along the entire time I've been in business, I've had some sort of like mentor or coach or like group mastermind group, or just, you know, support system, because we do not build our businesses in vacuums, we build them with people and for people. And so I think investing in something like that is a great move as well. That's it. I think that's five. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Again, thank you for taking the time to answer my questions. Um, Before leaving, would you tell my audience where they could find you? Yes. So you can find me personally on Instagram at Steph J. Gilbert. 
Um, and you can follow my business at the social media.ceo. And you can also, you know, come hang with us on, on, I mean, really Instagram is like the place where we're hanging out, but you can see the website and everything from there. It's also the social media.ceo, but yeah, got lots of fun, free content, um, you know, clubhouse, Facebook group. So, but yeah, Instagram is probably the best place to, to start. Right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you rate this podcast a five star. It will help me keep this going. Talk to you soon.